0: Welcome to the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. This is a podcast of stories, stories of devastating loss and grief and heartbreak and struggle, and stories of hope and healing and faith and yes, even joy. Stories that will help us live well while we're waiting to see our children in heaven one day. We pray that these stories will be an encouragement to you as you walk this road of grief. Thank you for joining me for the podcast again today. We're so grateful for those who faithfully listen every week and tell us how they're blessed by what they're hearing. It's humbling and gratifying that the podcast has been so well received, and honestly, it's been a joy for me to do it. So this week, I wanted to take some time to talk about the upcoming holidays. No matter how long it's been since your child went to heaven, the holidays are always tender. There's always an ache, a longing for the son or daughter who's not there. But today, I want to talk especially to those moms and dads who may be facing their first holidays without their precious child or children. I remember how I felt in September of 2009. I honestly did not want to live through the next three months, which included Hannah's 18th birthday in October, followed by Thanksgiving and then Christmas. I don't mean that I wanted to die, at least not most of the time. I just didn't want to live those months. Somehow, I just wanted to jump straight from September to January. I just could not see how I was going to make it through those days. Why are the holidays so incredibly hard for a family who's lost a child? There are several reasons. Family gatherings magnify the absence of the child. Holiday traditions that once brought joy are now fraught with pain and loss. Tensions may arise among extended family members as everyone's emotions are raw. And Christmas shopping with one less person on the list is unspeakably painful. There's a certain expectation of how we're supposed to feel and behave during the holiday season, and when you've lost a child, it can be difficult, if not impossible, to muster up the emotional stamina necessary to play that role. I can remember feeling like if one more person told me to have a happy Thanksgiving or a Merry Christmas, I was going to have to throat punch them. Hey, I'm just keeping it real. So today, I want to share a few things that we've found have worked for us over the last 12 years of celebrating the holidays without our Hannah Joy. Not that we've got it all figured out, or that we're able to breeze through the holidays now without difficulty. And just because these things have worked for us, doesn't necessarily mean they'll work for your family. Most of these things we've figured out through trial and error over the past several years. Unfortunately, it seems that each family must go through that process for itself but maybe something I list here could help someone else go through that process. So, without further ado, here's my list of 10 ways to survive the holidays after the loss of a child. Number one, this is the one time in the life of your family that it's okay to be selfish Please don't misunderstand me on this. What I mean is, at this very vulnerable time, it is important to put the needs of your family first. Extended family can pull you in many different directions, and that may be okay. You may get a lot of comfort from spending time with your extended family. But you may also need to spend time focusing on just your immediate family, without the hustle and bustle of a large family gathering. Maybe some of both is what you need. The important thing is to figure out what will be best for your family and do that. Extended family members may or may not understand your needs, but it's most important to put the needs of your immediate family first. Number two, communicate. Husbands and wives and surviving children need to talk to each other about what they want to do about the holidays. We didn't do that on our first Thanksgiving without Hannah. We just kind of went with the extended family flow without even discussing how we felt about it. And it was a horrible day. So before Christmas came around, the three of us spent a lot of time talking about how we were going to handle that day. We came up with a plan together that we felt would work for us. And it went much better. Number three. For us, it worked well to follow Bethany's lead that first Christmas. If it had just been Brad and I, we probably wouldn't have celebrated Christmas at all. I know we would not have put up a Christmas tree, nor would we have done any decorating. But we didn't want to take Christmas away from our 14-year-old Bethany, so we let her tell us what she wanted to do, and we pretty much did that. She wanted to keep some things the same, and she wanted to do some things differently. For example, we had always had an artificial tree, and that year, she decided she wanted us to have a real tree. And you know, that helped. Instead of the drudgery of digging out the box, bending all those branches into shape, and putting that old tree together, the three of us went out, picked out a real tree together, brought it home, and put it up. We also went out and bought a bunch of new ornaments, letting her pick out most of them. We mixed those in with our older, more sentimental ornaments as we decorated the tree. It made her happy, which in turn made it more bearable for us. Number four, realize that extended family members probably do not understand what you're going through. They want to understand. They're sincerely trying to understand, and they would do anything to make things better for you. But they can't. They don't live every day with that empty bedroom and the empty chair at the supper table. Their lives have gone on with relatively little change in their day to day lives, but they love you and they are hurting too. We can make the holidays easier by lowering our expectations of them and by extending them grace when they say or do the wrong things, because most likely they will, but they can't help it. Number five, keep the holidays separate. In our culture today, it seems that we basically celebrate Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas all together in one big three month long observance. You've seen the Christmas trees up in Walmart or Hobby Lobby before Halloween is even here. We all have. I've always hated that, but I really started hating it that first holiday season after Hannah went to heaven. I could only handle one holiday at a time emotionally. It took every ounce of my emotional stamina to make it through Thanksgiving. No way could I even think about Christmas at that point. I needed time to recover and build my strength back up before I could prepare for Christmas. I used to like to set up the Christmas tree on Thanksgiving afternoon or at least that weekend. Not anymore. I want a very clear division between my holidays, and I know that as a result of that first year without Hannah. Number six. Do something to include your child in your holiday celebration. That first year, we asked our extended family members on the Sullivan side to write down in a card something they had done that year in Hannah's memory, such as making a donation to a charity, filling a shoebox, or sharing her story with someone who needed encouragement. After all the presents had been opened and the Christmas chaos had settled down a bit, that stack of cards was pulled out from under the tree, opened one by one, and read aloud by Bethany. It was a way of including Hannah in our celebration, almost as if we were giving her presents. Now, we have two Christmas trees at home, one decorated with our usual ornaments and one covered with joy ornaments, in memory of Hannah, our joy. All year long, I delight in finding joy items to add to it. Knowing that we've got that tree to decorate gives me a reason to actually look forward to digging out the Christmas stuff once again. Number seven. One of the hardest things about Christmas is having one less person to buy gifts for. It can be so incredibly painful to walk into the stores and walk past all those things that would make such perfect gifts for your son or daughter who is no longer here. Well, how about this idea? Go ahead and buy some of those gifts, then donate them to your church nursery or to an angel tree child. Hang up your child's Christmas stocking and fill it up with small gifts then save those gifts for an Operation Christmas Child box and have it sent to a child on the other side of the world. Doing something like this may help ease some of the pain related to the shopping aspect of Christmas. Number eight, you can't run away from the pain. Some families choose to get away for the holidays, maybe going on a trip to a tropical destination or heading to the mountains, and sometimes doing something completely different like that can indeed help, and that may be the right thing for your family. But just keep in mind that the pain will follow. We can hide from it, we can run from it, we can pretend to ignore it, but eventually we must go through it. Sometimes facing it head-on is the best thing we can do. Number nine, Be patient with yourself. You have suffered a terrible, devastating loss, and you are not only affected emotionally by it, you are affected physically as well. This is one holiday season when you don't have to feel like you have to do it all. I think we women are especially vulnerable to this. We feel that we have to please everyone. We have to cook, clean, shop, decorate, wrap, send cards, sing in the Christmas cantata, and keep a smile on our face while we do it all. Don't do that to yourself. Simplify. If you don't have the energy to haul out all of those boxes of decorations, don't. If you can't muster up the strength to fight the crowds at the grocery store and cook a big dinner, call a caterer or a local restaurant and have them prepare the holiday meal for you. Or let someone else in the family take care of all the cooking this year. Pizza is always a good option. If you don't have the stamina to go to all those holiday parties and events, don't feel like you have to. Take the time you need for yourself and your family, and be sure to get adequate rest. I discovered early on that my grief was much harder to handle when I was fatigued, and then I was really no good to anybody, especially my family. Number 10. Take time to focus on what these holidays are really all about. Thanksgiving was really tough for me that first year. I'm so glad that for once we didn't go around the table and all have to say what we were thankful for. I'm really not sure I could have come up with anything that first year. In fact, I probably would have left the table in tears. Again, I'm just keeping it real. But now that I can think more clearly, I can see that even though my oldest daughter is not here with me, there is still so much to be thankful for. The years we had with her, the fact that she is eternally healed in heaven, and the knowledge that I will get to spend eternity with her. And that's in addition to the day-to-day blessings I receive from my Heavenly Father. And Christmas, Christmas is everything. I mean, where would we be if God had not sent His own Son, knowing full well that He was going to die a horrible, painful death on the cross? Christmas is the source of all joy, and the whole reason why we will be reunited with our children again if both we and they have accepted the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Remembering that is how we survive Christmas. I've come to believe that if you consciously apply yourself to seeking out the joy in the season, though it may seem so hard to find at times, God will honor that effort by bringing gradual healing to your life. These are his holidays after all, and we honor him by honoring them. I want to close with a poem by Darcy Sims that I ran across years ago. It's called A Bereaved Thanksgiving. It doesn't seem to get any better, but it doesn't seem to get any worse either. For that, I am thankful. There are no more pictures to be taken, but there are memories to be cherished. For that, I am thankful. There is a missing chair at the table, but the circle of family gathers close. For that, I am thankful. The turkey is smaller, but there's still stuffing. For that, I am thankful. The days are shorter, but the nights are softer. For that, I am thankful. The pain is still there, but it only lasts moments. And for that, I am thankful. The calendar still turns, the holidays still appear, and they still cost too much, but I am still here, and for that I am thankful. The room is still empty, the soul still aches, but the heart remembers, for that I am thankful. The guests still come, the dishes pile up, but the dishwasher still works, for that I am thankful. The name is still missing, the words still unspoken, but the silence is shared, for that I am thankful. The snow still falls, the sled still waits, and the spirit still wants to, for that I am thankful. The stillness remains, but the sadness is smaller, for that I am thankful. The moment is gone, but the love is forever, for that I am blessed, and for that I am grateful. Love was once, and still is, a part of my being, for that I am living. I am living and for that I am thankful. May your holidays be filled with reasons to be thankful. Having loved and having been loved is perhaps the most wondrous reason of all. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it brought you some comfort and encouragement today and maybe made you feel a little less alone on the journey. Please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and and maybe leave us a rating in iTunes to help others find the podcast. Again, we're glad you spent a few minutes with us today. It's a blessing to walk beside you as we seek to live well while we're waiting.